the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. Welcome back to the That's Good From You podcast. Hi, everybody. We are back for episode 11 today and Crazy. we are very excited. We are very, very excited. How's it going, Emma? Oh, look, I'm going great. I've just finished a coffee and I'm feeling <laughs> like my heart's about to burst out of me. Um, I've never really been into coffee, but um, mm. the last few days it's been needed and um, I'm a bit of a fan. Oh, I like this. This, yeah. is, this is new. It was funny, actually, the other day um, I went and got a coffee and I'm, I'm just a bit bogan and I like to shorten <laughs> my words. No. And so when I ordered my coffee, I was like, yeah, yeah, I just love a latte, thanks, with a sug. And the guy was like, a what, sorry? And I was like, yeah, just a sug. And he had no idea. And then he came over and delivered it to me and he was like, the, the latte with the sug. And I was like, that's mine. Thank you. So it's been a bit of a, a fun time. Um, nothing to do with what we're talking nothing about to today do. in any way. Mm. How have you been going, Sophie? Also pretty good. Um, also needing the coffee. It's that point mm. in the semester where like assignments are due for students, which means marking is due for staff and it all just happens at once. So Seriously. the coffee is necessary. Get that caffeine. If you don't have a coffee right now and you are listening to this episode... <laughs> Go get yourself one. You have permission, even if it's like your fourth for the day. Go do it. <laughs> yes, we're now advocating for caffeine addictions <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's That's true. That's good from us. It is very good from us. Anyway, we'll get into some things. Last yeah. episode, what did we talk about? Yeah, so last episode we covered spirit gifting, mm. which I think is the key framework for determining women's participation in ministry. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who yeah. has gotten in contact with us. It has been an absolute privilege to hear your stories, um, hear how that resonated with you. It's just been a really fun couple of weeks getting to hear that. Yeah. Um, so absolutely loved that um, episode. Yes. And like, I still, I listened back to it and I was like, wow, okay, this is still like touching me totally. as weird as that sounds. Totally. But I think uh, there is a danger, right, if we push too hard on gifting and mm. say like gifting is the only qualifier for uh -huh. ministry. Yeah. Um, and it was actually a conversation with someone at table, shout out Adelaide. Um, we were sitting having a conversation about the last podcast episode and she's like, but is gifting enough? Yeah. Like gifting alone. Is? Yeah. And I was like, no, like we were obviously pushing that because I think it's the key framework for women's participation, mm. but it isn't the only thing necessary for ministry. Uh, and I would say that it's it's gifting plus character. Yeah, that's what's yeah, sure. required. Uh, yeah. So giftedness is one qualifier for ministry, but without good character and a healthy sense of self and who we are, leadership can go wrong really quickly. Yeah, that's really right. quickly. And I mean, that's what we're going to be touching on today is this idea of leadership, mm. what makes up a good leader and um, more than just giftings and being called to something, it actually mm. looks like character and character being that which is developed over time yeah. through experiences and through training. Um, what does it look like to have good character as a leader? And mm. as we continue on through um, this topic, what does it look like to not have, you know, good character? Yes. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason that we think this is so important or mm -hmm. like we were asking ourselves before, like, why does this even matter? Like, why should we even talk about leadership? And it's like, well, we've both had experiences of being under healthy yeah. leaders yeah. and we've also had experiences of being under unhealthy leaders. Yeah. Um, and so, Emma, like, let's just kick a couple of ideas around. So, like, mm. what what has it been like for you, the times you've been under healthy leadership, like what has that looked like? Yeah, yeah, I was, I've was. i been thinking about this 
And I honestly can picture some scenarios in my head and I can describe it as uh, healthy leadership has never looked like power or control. Mm. It's never looked like a um, like an authority thing. It's always felt really mutual mm. to me. There's like a listening and a giving and a taking um, and a back and forth to um, the leadership that I've experienced. Mm. And I think um, if I pin- pinpoint a couple leaders in my life without naming names, <laughs> um, these leaders have been so teachable mm. that I've almost like seen on their face when I've been, you know, like chatting about my life and my issues with them or whatever. Mm. Um, I've seen on their face them learning things mm. and they're like not, um, they're okay to not hide that. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's always been a permission to voice what I need to knowing full well that, mm. yeah, they're not the big high and mighty guy who has it all together. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good. What about you? Mm. Times that I've seen really healthy leadership have almost been the times where people haven't been thinking about their leadership. They've just been getting on with the serving or the uh-huh. loving or the caring and they've not really even considered oh, I'm this like great leader and, yeah, you know. come to me. Yeah, come yeah, to me because I'm the fount of all wisdom. wisdom yeah. Um, but they've just been getting on with serving and loving wow. and caring for people. Um, and so it feels weird to be talking about leadership because sometimes the best leaders don't think or talk about leadership. Like no. if yes. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they just kind of get on with uh, the tasks that they've been called to. Wow. Mm. That's pretty powerful. Mm. I mean, if we think about the opposite then, what mm. makes – perhaps an unhealthy leader or experiences Mm. we've had. Is there anything that you can touch on in terms of that? Mm. Yeah, I think the times that I've been under unhealthy leadership, it's felt like – this is going to sound quite extreme, but it's the only word that's really coming to mind. Like it's felt oppressive as in like can't have a voice and put in a situation where I'm constantly questioning myself Mm. um, where – like the leader might say, you know, you've got all freedom to do what you want in this space, but they micromanage and control uh-huh. everything that you do. Um, and it's it's a lot about like you as a resource, like what can you do for me? What can totally. – how can you serve my vision and my purpose? Um, mm. There's some of the things I've experienced. Anything that you would add to that? Yeah, list? I mean I guess just that sense of like control and mm. that authority figure that – I think even the image that I get and I, I've i experienced is that um, just like being backed into a corner, mm. like the no voice, no yes. say, no permission, mm. um, no power or autonomy. Mm. Um, and I mean you might be able to resonate with some of those things and we, we just want to say we're sorry if these mm. things have kind of happened or that's been mm. your experience as well because that's, yeah, definitely something for us um, and you might be able to think of other things mm. that could um, – yeah, be a part of how you've experienced unhealthy leadership in your life. Um, and that'll be something we unpack mm. in the next little while. We're going to be talking a bit more about um, perhaps what are the red flags in leadership, mm. what to look out for when it comes to controlling and abusive behaviour in leadership. Yep. Um, but today I guess the question that we really want to ask is what does make a good leader? What mm. makes a good leader, a good pastor, a good teacher? Um, what separates a good and grounded person in leadership from someone who's perhaps not so good. Um, Mm. And so our title for today is Green Flags in Leadership. 
Yes. Um, what are the green flags of leadership? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before we unpacked this, um, or before we unpack it, um, we thought it might be a good idea to define what we mean by ministry and the context that perhaps we might be coming from when mm. we look at leadership. Yeah. Because it's so easy to hear ministry and think church, right? Mm, mm. And I say this from time to time when I'm speaking at different places. As someone who's worked as a pastor, I feel the need to apologize to people mm. for making it seem like ministry is just what pastors do. Yeah, because pastors have this way of talking as if like I, I am a paid ministry and yeah. it makes it sound like church equals ministry. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but I think both of us have had really good really good teaching on this Mm. Um, and both come to I think probably a similar place that ministry is actually simply put our participation in the work that God is already up to in the world by his spirit and since God is at work in the world not just in the church ministry doesn't have to be confined to the walls of a church so we wouldn't define ministry as church work yeah The downside to this is that both Emma and I have had lots of experience in churches Mm. and because of that, a lot of our examples are church-based. So just because we're using church examples, I don't want you to think that that means we make ministry and church synonymous. Mm. Um, So we'll probably unpack that idea of ministry as participation more in a future episode because it's something we're both really passionate about. But for now, just know that when we say ministry, we aren't only talking about churchy things. Um, And this is applicable to leadership in many contexts, many different contexts. That's right. Just if our examples are used from a ministry context. That's it's what we know. Much broader than that. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, definitely. So we probably want to ask the question then, who or what is a leader? Because there's going to be people listening to this who are like, well, this is about leadership, so it's not for me. I'm just going to like switch off now um, because I'm not a leader. So who or what is a leader? Interesting. Um, there's a book um, by Dr. J. Robert Clinton uh, called The Making of a Leader. Mm. And I want to read out this quote um, in response to this question of who or what is a leader. It says, leadership is a dynamic process in which a man or a woman with God-given capacity influences a specific group of God's people towards his purpose for the group. This is contrary to the popular notion that a leader must have a formal position or a formal title or formal Mm. training. So many who are called to lead in church or a parachurch organization uh, may not have formal titles such as a pastor or director. Uh, They may be Sunday school teachers or small group leaders or lay people functioning in any number of other leadership capacities. And so to be considered a leader, one does not require a professional um, position Mm. nor need to be a full-time Christian worker. Yeah. That's a, like a wordy quote, but I think he has hit the nail on the head in the fact that it doesn't require a formal title or position mm-hmm. to be a leader. Yep. And so for me, like my definition of leadership would be if you turn around and you have people following you, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. It's about leading people. It isn't necessarily about a position or a title. And so you might want to consider like who is it that's following me Mm. like who is it that I'm leading it could be a younger sibling it could be within a sporting or a school context um it could there's so many different options yeah Uh, so don't discount yourself from this conversation if you're like I'm not a leader yeah um because if someone is following you if it's you know you're a mum at home with small children you are leading yep um so the question isn't so much are you a leader but are you a leader worth following (laughs) 
Dang. Mm. And I, like, I've got to be honest, there have been definitely been points in my leadership journey over the last 15 or more years mm. where I haven't been a leader worth following. I've been leading people, yeah, but I haven't necessarily been a leader worth following. Yeah. And I guess that's where a lot of this conversation has come out of as well. Like Sophie and I have been really wrestling with the, the fact that we are in, you know, mm. leadership <laughs> positions in a lot of different spaces and mm. the kind of weight and responsibility that has on our life and the way that we, mm. you know, seek to therefore like develop character mm. and um, like, yeah, seek to live a, mm. a good life. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, like are we leaders that are going to be worth following? Because mm. at the end of the day we are leaders and, you know, if you've got someone following you, you are a leader. Yeah. And so – like we'll ne- probably never do this perfectly. Um, I don't know that there's anyone yeah. other than Jesus who has modelled what perfect leadership looks like. But I want to be constantly growing and developing as a person and in my character mm. so that I will be a leader that is worth following. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions that we have been kicking around and we don't necessarily have all the answers <laughs> to at all, but is when are leaders at their best? When are leaders at their best? So you might think of some leaders that you've had that have been really good. What made them great? Mm. When were they at their best? And we would say that leaders are at their best when they, I mean, coupled with gifting, spirit yep. gifting, yep. but but when they have good, healthy character. They have mm. good, healthy character. character. Okay. And so you might be thinking, what on earth is character? Mm. Like how do we define character? And it is one of those kind of elusive terms. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that character is who we are. And when I said that to you earlier, you pulled a face at oh, me and was, was like, that's like, so fluffy. It feels, yeah. I'm just like, oh, there's nothing to that. <laughs> so I'm going to do something that's quite like, you know, scary to do. But uh, Emma, I want you to describe me. Like how would you describe me? What words would you use to describe me? <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Um, honest. Mm-hmm. And Strong-willed mm-hmm. and brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, very intentional. Uh, how much more do I keep nah, going? That's good. No, okay, just, keep, just keep flattering yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, Validate kind me. Kind of rude a lot of time. Yeah, it can be rude. So those <laughs> those things are my character. They're, that's who I am. They're my what character traits. They, they make up who I am and it's yeah. not everything. Um, but it's some things and you'll notice in that and thank you for doing this that some of those things were good or have the potential to be good and some of those things mm. also have a shadow side and the potential to be not so good uh-huh. so my honesty for example is like is a good thing i think honesty totally. is the best policy i think kind is clear mm. but that can also be problematic like there are times where mm-hmm. honesty uh, maybe and i'm not talking about lying but there are times where my honesty is brutal Yes. Yep. And can be more damaging. And so all of these things in my character, they're who I am. Now I've done a lot of work on myself over the last, again, 15 years since I discovered um, one of my personality types. We'll maybe talk about this in another episode, (laughs) but then my personality type is really attracted to power. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, Oh, okay. That's going to be a problem because um, that can be really a really, really bad thing. Yes. Yep. And so I've actually had to, even though power is something that I crave and that I desire, mm. I've had to work out how to develop that desire and channel it into healthy things. So honesty can be both good and bad. And I have to work out as someone who's in leadership, 
how do I use honesty in a really helpful way? Mm. And so when we say this, that's character, they're the things that I am, it's, it's who I am, mm-hmm. but it's not to say that it's fixed. I yes, can actually yeah. work on developing those traits and work on stewarding them really well for the benefit of other people. Yes. So character is about who I am and that can be developed. Yeah, and it's that should be developed at yeah. the end of the day, yes. right? Yeah, not just can, it should. That's yeah. totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of quotes from for you guys that I just think are really helpful on this. Well, the first one is out of, again, The Making of a Leader by Robert Clinton. And he says that as leaders, our doing must flow out of our being. Character is the most important task for a leader. So who we are, our being is the most important thing. Developing our character as leaders is the most important thing. And what we do, the tasks we do as leaders have to flow out of who we are. Yeah. And that's a really biblical idea that it's actually the character and inner world formation Uh that's the most important thing. And then the tasks that we do flow out of the character that's being developed in us. And I would say the Christ-like character that's being developed in us. Mm. And then Mm -hmm. a couple of quotes here from Mark Sayers. This is many years ago at a, um, a leadership training. I heard him say these. He said, leadership is about private victories playing out in the public world. So again, that's about character formation. It's the private victories. It's the time spent alone with Jesus where he's been working on our Mm. hearts and saying, actually, that time you were honest then, that was pretty brutal. Let's not do that again. And it's actually the private victories, the conviction, the challenges, the even um, like experiencing the love of God for us, yeah. it's those private victories and then playing out in a public space, the mm. overflow of that. Mm. And so Mark Sayers went on to say, before your ministry grows, your character must deepen. Your ability to lead doesn't come from a title but from your character. Yeah, and so you need to intentionally go deep before you go wide. Wow. Mm. So wow. Character development for a leader. And remember, leadership is not just about position or title. If you've got someone following you, you're a leader then character development right. is really important. Because at the end of the day, like your title might take you so far, but yes. character will exactly. keep you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, again, Robert Clinton says a little bit later in his book, The Making of a Leader, he says, a leader without character, or I would say a leader with bad character, can only go so far as they can coercively convince people to follow them. Ooh. which requires ab- abuse of power to coerce someone to follow you. Jeepers. So he says if you don't have good character, you'll only be able to lead people in as far as you can convince them, coerce them, <sighs> manipulate them to follow you. Wow. Which, I mean, we've both experienced snippets yes. of what that's yes. like. Yes, And you like the amount of hurt that comes out of being manipulated to follow someone is awful. <laughs> and so, again, yeah. as being people who have experienced unhealthy leadership mm. we go okay well now that we're in leadership positions how do we not do that totally yeah and I think the bible actually has some really good wisdom for us yeah. on this unsurprisingly so yeah unsurprisingly. there's like uh, so many passages we could have gone to for this and mm. you could do many studies on many different parts of the bible on leadership but one of the passages that really has stood out to me for a long time is from one peter um, so it's one peter five emma do you want to Read a bit yeah. of it for us. Yeah, 1 Peter 5 verses uh, 2 onwards. It says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but mm. eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock, mm. not lording authority over those entrusted to you, but being examples 
of the flock. Mm-hmm. And so as we were kind of thinking about this, um, we looked at um, this idea of being shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. Mm. This idea of willingness yeah. that really sets the, I don't know, the tone for why you are shepherding, mm. why you are leading. Mm. There's this willingness that comes to it. I don't know, mm-hmm. Sophie, if you want to touch on. Yeah, so there's probably two big ideas that we want to touch on out of this passage mm-hmm. and we'll get to the second one in a moment. But one of the um, key ideas around character development in leadership is this idea of integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, integrity is often what will determine the strength of your character. So integrity is central to character. And the word integrity is one that gets thrown around a lot and I'm not always sure yeah. people really yeah, know what it means. It. Yeah. Um, So the word integrity comes from a word that means unit of one or whole, Mm. that we are whole people, whole beings. And it's effectively about being the same person in private Mm -hmm. as we are in public. So the same person that you are at home when you're, you know, chilling, watching Netflix, that you are when you're with your friends, that Mm -hmm. you are when you're on a platform speaking in front of people. Um, So it's about our inner world and our outer world being the same. And I see that a little bit in this passage <clears throat> in uh, in our willingness to serve, not because we must. So we're not doing it out of a sense of obligation or because we have to. Mm. Um, our outer world, like when we're standing leading people, we're not doing that because we have to. We're doing it out of the overflow and willingness of the character that's been developed and formed mm. within us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so integrity, super, super important. Uh, and I've heard a great example, um, actually Rick Warren. So if any of you know The Purpose Driven Life, I've got a love-hate relationship with that book. Um, but he actually, he speaks really well on integrity and he's the first person I, I heard give this example. And he, he talks about the Titanic. So I don't know, some of you might be too young to remember that movie, um, yeah. but the Titanic was a real boat. And basically up until the point of the Titanic, the bottom of boats had been built so that they were just an open, empty space. That's how mm-hmm. boats float effectively. But the problem is that if a hole gets knocked into the bottom of a boat, this big mm-hmm. empty space, it fills with water. Crazy. The whole thing fills with water. The boat sinks. Wow. Physics. Yeah. Physics and stuff. <laughs> I failed science at school, so this is not my thing. She's doing good. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing great. But why they said the Titanic was unsinkable was because rather than having an open hull is what it's called, the bottom of the boat, they decided to segment it and they went, if we put petitions in, the not the if like a hole gets knocked in the side of the boat, the whole thing won't fill with water. Gotcha, just one part of it will. Yeah. But Rick Warren says a hole in a boat is still a hole in a boat. Mm. And so effectively what he's saying is we think that we can segment our lives into here's the private space, here's the public Public, space, here's the leadership space, here's what I'm like with my friends, here's what I'm like with my family. And he says we think we can segment all of that and nothing will go wrong. But he's like a hole in one part of your life is going to to create issues in your whole life. And so the idea is that our, with integrity, is that our whole life, our whole world Uh is one, that we are one whole person and we're the same wherever we are. And so um, Pastor Ed Young, pastor and author, he says this, and this quote always gets me. He says, who you are when no one is looking is who you really are. Yeah. And it's just way too easy in leadership and in ministry to put a mask on <clears throat> and have it so that who we are when we're in a public space looks different to who we are. Totally. And that's it's compartmentalizing, yeah. right? Yes. Like you just can't compartmentalize right. your, yeah. your yeah. life. That and way. so one of the key things to developing character as a leader is developing 
integrity. Yeah. Looking the same in every area yes. of your life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What does that actually look like in real life? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Like how do we, how do we develop how do we do it? integrity? Totally. Um, the best way, and this is going to seem like the stupidest example ever, and I'm going to say it anyway because mm-hmm. I find this really helpful. I really hate food shopping to the point where there's very rarely actually food in the house. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I come over for snacks and there's no snacks There's anywhere. no snackies. And that's because <laughs> I hate food shopping. Um, absolute least favourite part of the week. If I can avoid it, I will. And yeah. I will do anything to avoid yeah. it. So we'll just have like plain potato for dinner because there's potatoes in the house. <laughs> and when I do go to the supermarket, I'm always in a hurry to leave, like yeah, no matter yeah. what. But every time I go shopping and I buy enough that I require a shopping trolley, I'm confronted with the decision of whether or not to return my trolley to the trolley bay Interesting. or abandon it in the vacant car park next to me. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to walk across the car park and put my oh, trolley it's so back. so inconvenient. It's, I know. But no matter how much of a hurry I am in, no matter how much I want to get out of the supermarket and get away from there, I always return the shopping trolley. Interesting. Yeah. And it's weird. I know. <laughs> I've often wondered, and I was really challenged on this like 10 years ago, if I'm not willing to make the right decision when no one is watching, Mm. no matter how small or silly it seems, how long before I'm willing to compromise on bigger things? (gasps) Bang. Whoa. So for me, the shopping trolley is actually a matter of integrity. Pokey sailors. Integrity is being exactly the same person when you're by yourself in private as when you're leading a large group of people or in public, the way you present yourself or even the way you present yourself on social media. Yeah. Yep. Integrity is when there's no difference with who you are, no matter where you are or who you're with. And at the end of the day, no one I'm leading mm-hmm. would ever know if I put my shopping trolley back or not. Yep. But putting my shopping trolley back is one of the small everyday decisions that I make that helps me build integrity and character. Yeah. That's real cool. Yeah. And it's it's like it's a random one and it might be something else for someone else, but it's putting huh. the shopping trolley back has been the reminder to me of like, okay, yeah, I'm a leader. I need to have integrity. That's right. And this is my integrity check. What am I going to do while yes. people aren't watching? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And so um, like I always feel a bit funny about quoting different pastors and leaders and <laughs> particularly because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about celebrity pastors in a coming episode um, and the person I'm about to quote kind of is one. Uh, but I, this, again, another yeah. quote that's always stuck with me. So Craig Grishel, pastor in the States, he says, it's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. Huh. The small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. And so you might look around at like your leaders who are doing great things, who have like a massive platform, who have mm. great influence. And you might go, I really wish I had the same kind of influence that mm-hmm. they have. But what you don't get to see when someone is on a platform is actually the small things that they've been doing in their day-to-day life to build integrity and character. And it's actually those things that got them there. Um, You may not realise it, but every choice you make shapes your character and integrity. So small decisions can either build, slowly build your character or actually slowly corrode it. And so you may actually be doing things in your life that are doing the opposite of building Mm. integrity. Mm. Um, So integrity is essential for a leader. And I said this before, but Dr. Robert Clinton says that a leader without character and integrity is not trustworthy and will only be followed if the leader has coercive power. So fear tactics and threats Mm. to convince people to follow them. And so I know that I can be a leader because I have people following me. 
but can I be a leader with integrity? Because if not, I'm probably not a leader that's worth following. And dangerous to follow. Yeah, so dangerous. Mm. So I think before we even consider leading other people, we actually have to first learn to lead ourselves. Mm. Um, And good leadership is built in private. It's not built on a platform. So it's those small everyday choices that results in the person when I'm leading a class or when I'm leading a group Mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. It's actually the overflow of the private victories, the small wins, the small integrity checks in my life. Um, I haven't perfectly worked this out. I still don't want to put the shopping trolley back ever. But I just keep working at it. Yeah. I like the way you put it, the idea of it being an integrity check. Mm. That kind of language is useful being like, wow, what are the integrity checks in your life and how can you view certain Mm. small situations um, that might happen frequently? Mm. How can you view them as integrity checks and keeping yourself in check Mm. for building and developing integrity in a really intentional way? Yeah. And I think some of the, and again, we'll, we'll probably talk about this in a, f- a future episode, but a lot of the people that you see kind of um, fall from ministry for mm-hmm, want of a better mm-hmm. way to put it, it's like the platform has outgrown the inner character work. So the platform gets really big and the yeah. character development and integrity checks haven't kept up. And so I always want to be thinking like, you know, I'm, I have mm. this, I'm able to speak to a bunch of people it has my character and integrity, does it keep up with the kind of, I guess, the platform I'm being given? Right. And if it can't keep up, Ooh. what does it look like to step away mm. from ministry mm. for the sake of developing character? Yeah. Doing the hard work. Right. And that's a mm. sacrifice. Massive. Because it's all about ministry and having the position and the <laughs> and the platform and the people. Mm. What a joke. Anyway, um, well, Carrying on into 1 Peter 5 um, and the passage, you know, we've touched on the willingness to be able to, you know, make choices around developing integrity, developing character. Um, But really the second part of what we really want to touch on when it comes to, you know, good leadership is the idea of humility. And so Mm. 1 Peter 5, it goes on and says, um, you know, it talks about uh, being willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, being eager to serve and not lauding your Mm. authority over those who have been entrusted to you, but actually uh, being an example. And Mm. so as um, this kind of verse goes on, Peter ends up like pretty well summarizing all these things as humility. And he says, clothe yourself in, clothe yourselves in humility, Mm. um, humble yourself under God. Um, And he kind of encapsulates humility as all these things that is just Mm. mentioned. And so before we kind of jump into humility, maybe it's helpful to define what what is humility? Mm. Um, how do yeah. we describe that? Because often people think with humility like it's that whole thinking of yourself less yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but I've actually found – so um, John Dixon, he's an Australian scholar uh, and he actually did his thesis, his doctoral thesis on humility, oh. which is like – Pretty, Ooh, pretty massive. Yes, yeah. <laughs> He's like, how ridiculous is it to write a thesis on humility? Literally. Um, but he, the definition he came up with, I just think is beautiful and sums up mm. everything in this one Peter passage. He says, humility is the ability to hold your power for the good of others, not for personal gain. Interesting. The ability to hold your power for the good of others, not personal gain. So he <gasps> recognizes Whoa. that with leadership comes power, comes power yeah. and you actually can't like get rid of that. Rid yourself of that. Yeah, it, it's part yeah, of it. Okay. So the question isn't about how do I get rid of power and, and we should, you know, like empower others, but that's not necessarily getting rid of our power. Mm. But how do we hold our power with open hands, I would say, for the good of others, not personal gain? 
Wow. I just, I always thought that humility was, looked like, like ridding yourself of power. Mm. Like being less, becoming less. And in that it looks like giving up power. Mm. The ability to hold the power that you have. Mm. But not for yourself, but for the good of others. And like, Mm. just can't help but look at, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You look at John 13 and that is just fully encapsulated in in that picture. And it's not just that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It's the preface to that. So the passage says, knowing that he had all power and authority. Wow. Jesus got up from the table, took off his outer robes, got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. So it's not just Jesus modelled it. Yeah. The passage literally says, knowing that he had all power and authority, knowing yeah. where he had come from and where he was going, Wow. he got up and washed the disciples' feet. He held his power mm. and used it for the good of others. Yes. And so embodying humility and using power in this way, um, I guess this passage in 1 Peter, it looks mm. like not seeking dishonest gain, mm. not seeking to use this power and this authority mm. or position through, you know, unjust, deceitful, yes. abusive ways, yep. but rather it looks like being eager to serve, mm. getting on your knees and not lording this authority over the people whom you're serving, mm. um, but being being an example. And that's exactly yes. what Jesus did. He didn't yep. lord his authority over them yep. in a way that looked yeah abusive or even powerful in general, right? Mm. It looked like the complete. he completely flipped the idea of what it looks like to be powerful on its head. He did wow. the thing that – so if you think about it, in, in Jesus' culture, who's the person with power? It's the king, right? right? Yeah. The king doesn't wash his servants' feet. Yeah, near him. The servants wash the king's feet. Yeah. And here you've got the king realising, knowing that he has all power and authority. What? The most highly exalted person getting down on their hands and knees and doing the dirtiest job at a dinner table. Mm. makes me want to cry yeah and then literally like a couple of verses on it says jesus says to his disciples you've seen what i've done yes now Now model it be an example you do it too wow so leadership is really the power like the power you have Mm. like using the power you have for the good of others Mm. for the sake of relationship Mm. is it because that's what jesus did yeah to have power using it for the good of mm. those you're in relationship with. Yeah. And the way we – because, like, it's – it's power is so attractive to people, oh, yeah. right? Totally. Like all throughout history is the history of people using power to hurt others. Like, that's mm. the history of mm. the human race and of, of leadership, basically. And so it's – it honestly, it's the development of that char- character and integrity that's going to be – the thing and obviously the work of the spirit in us um, and modeling Jesus, but they're the things that are going to help us not tip into that unhelpful, potentially abusive use of power Mm. um, that we actually need to develop and do the inner work and spend the time with Jesus becoming more like him, Mm. working on our character, working on our integrity. And those are the things that are going to help us hold power lightly for the good of others and not for our own gain. Wow. Okay. Mm. Well, how do we grow in this stuff then? Mm. Yeah. And honestly, it is the small everyday practices of mm. integrity. Like yeah. find something like your shopping trolley. Like what is your shopping trolley? What is the thing yeah, that you, yeah. the small thing that you will do every day that reminds you to keep 
developing that. Mm-hmm. But it's not just practicing those small things. Like we have to learn to reflect, like have reflective practice. Yeah, so we do yeah, the yeah, things yeah. Yeah. and then we come back and we go, okay, did that work? Like where was God at work in that? Yeah. Did it hurt someone? Right. Was it good for them? Totally. Where was my hesitation in yeah. it? All that kind of stuff. So we have, to, we have to get good at asking good reflective questions. We practice, then we come back and we have this cycle of practice and reflection of how, like how did that work? How did – did like was I too honest today and was it brutal or was the honesty actually helpful Mm. asking those kinds of questions and honestly sometimes it's just so hard to do that yourself right like I could be brutally honest and think that was so needed and it's actually hurt the person (laughs) and it requires accountability and actually being close enough to someone so if if you hear me being honest and it's brutal you being able to come to me and feel safe enough to say that was too much. Yep. Like you actually hurt that person. Mm. It's probably a good idea to go and mm. apologize, which I'm getting quite good at doing because I yeah. often <laughs> need to apologize. But that also means like remaining open and teachable, like never getting to the point where you go, I think I'm the expert in this. I've got it all together. Um, yeah. Like you've got to be willing to be close enough in relationship with others that mm. they can actually speak into that, that you're willing to be teachable and open. Yeah. There's some of the ideas off the top of my head. There's probably others. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, just thinking about um, what we've spoken about with green flags of leadership, Mm. this isn't like the point of this episode has not been to say, oh, here's a list of some leadership 101 tips because you hear that everywhere inside church, outside of church. It's just like, this is how to be a good leader. And it's like, we're not here to do that Mm. as much as we are to say, oh, look, this has been our experience. There's Mm. been some good leadership moments and experiences in our life. And there have been some pretty not mm. so great ones. Yep. And so, and it hurts when they're not oh, good. It's horrible. And there's been a lot of reflection on our part and honestly, like a lot of trauma that's had to mm. be dealt with and wrestled with and still like, you know, grappling with. And so mm. the the episode following this, we really want to touch on some of these uh, red flags of leadership mm. and what it looks like for us to have been in experiences that, you know, we're under leadership and it and it looks fine and it looks great and then we step out of it and we're like, holy cow, how did I not see that yeah. red flag that was waving in my face? Yeah. And so we just kind of want to bring a few of these things to light with some language that can be helpful for mm. uh, you to perhaps, you know, mm. uh, see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we, we have had some, like Emma said, good experiences, bad experiences and we just want to unpack some of that because if you're in a space where you're leading someone, we want to help you do that in a way that's really healthy and that's going to help the people you're leading to flourish totally. and be empowered. Um, and we want to make sure that no one else experiences the kind of negative leadership that we've experienced and have had to process. So hopefully some of our experience will be helpful for you. Um, Hopefully you're going to be able to continue wrestling with this. Like, like Emma said, this isn't a list and it's not an exhaustive list. Like this is just some things that we were thinking about. So if you're able to think of other things that you think should have been on our list, we would love to hear them because we love hearing from you. And at the end of the day, like we just want to start a conversation around Mm. it. Uh, put language to some things that perhaps mm. aren't spoken out mm. about because um, you can throw in the, oh, no, got to honour leadership by not, you know, mm. critically thinking about mm. people's leadership, um, which is unhealthy. And so yeah. let's just have a conversation about leadership, what we see like leaders doing well yeah. in and what perhaps isn't. So keep wrestling, stay close to Jesus, and uh, we'll see you next time. Catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. I want us to hide.
hire someone to do our graphics because I can't do it anymore. 